This is the Tao of Christ, and I am Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. Others call it non-dual awareness, liberation, enlightenment, or spiritual awakening. It is the heart of all spiritual traditions. This is the Tao of Christ. Good morning, this is Marshall Davis. A listener asked me about the non-dual interpretation of the eschatological and apocalyptic passages ascribed to Jesus. Eschatological is a word that refers to the eschaton, meaning the end. Apocalypse literally means unveiling, but it's regularly used to refer to the dramatic events associated with the end of history. And he asked me if I had done an episode on the subject, so I looked back to see, and I, I couldn't find one anywhere. I know that I've talked about this in passing, or I've written about this, but I could not find an episode dedicated to this. So that's what I'm going to be doing today. Christians, especially conservative Christians, are really into the end times. They're always examining current events for possible signs that the end is coming soon. The most recent example is the Israeli invasion of Gaza. So-called prophecy teachers dust off their end times charts and look to see if the Bible has anything to say about these recent headlines. Now this approach is nothing new. This type of doomsday prediction has been going on in Christianity for 2,000 years. And yet the end has not come at least not in the manner most Christians have been looking for it. I think it is because the Church has fundamentally misunderstood Jesus' use of apocalyptic language and imagery. In any case, we can't ignore what Jesus says about this topic. We can't ignore the apocalyptic passages. The question is, what do they mean? I think there are two possibilities. One is that Jesus really thought that history was going to dramatically end with a bang in that generation, in the first century. After giving what scholars call the Little Apocalypse or the Olivet Discourse near the end of his ministry, near the end of the, of the first three Gospels, Jesus says this, Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away till all these things have happened. He also said, Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, if he meant the type of cataclysmic event accompanied with visible signs that evangelicals expect to happen, with the Antichrist and the rapture and all that stuff, then that means that Jesus got it wrong, because it didn't happen that way in that generation. But that's not acceptable to Christians because they cannot admit that Jesus might have been wrong about something like this. So the church has gotten very adept at coming up with clever ways to reinterpret Jesus' words so that he didn't really mean what he seemed to be saying. 
but that is dishonest hermeneutics, in my opinion, twisting Jesus' words to make him agree with us. The other option is that Jesus was not wrong, but the church has been wrong in interpreting these apocalyptic images literally. The church is wrong in believing that stars are literally going to fall from heaven and that Jesus will visibly, physically descend on the clouds and that Christians will fly into the sky to meet Jesus in the air where the Apostle Paul talks about it. Think about it. What's more likely, that this is metaphorical language or that it is meant to be taken literally. Apocalyptic language and imagery are not to be taken literally, but metaphorically and symbolically. If this is the case, then Jesus was not a failed apocalyptic preacher or a false prophet. He did not get it wrong. He was just interpreted wrongly by the church. Now, either of these are possible, and I'm comfortable with either. It does not destroy my faith to think that Jesus was human enough to make a mistake. If Jesus was fully human, then Jesus was fallible. And that's what it means to be human. It's a mistake to assume that Jesus was infallible because the Bible never says that about Jesus. In fact, Jesus admitted there were things that he did not know. And yet, I think that when it comes to these apocalyptic passages, that Jesus was right and that the church is wrong. I think what Jesus said was true and that what he was talking about happened in that generation. But it is nothing like the fantastic scenarios promoted by evangelical Christians today. The interesting thing is that my approach that I'm going to be talking about today is similar to what a lot of Christian scholars believe, and they call it realized eschatology. So, how do I interpret Jesus' teaching about the end times? I interpret apocalyptic literature in its historical setting. Jesus was a man of his time. The period from the 2nd century B.C. through the 1st century A.D. was a time when the apocalyptic genre of literature was very popular. This is the time when the, the second half of the book of Daniel was written. It was a time when the book of Revelation was written. It was a time when many other non-canonical apocalypses were written that didn't make it into the Bible. All these apocalypses employed fantastic images of supernatural beasts and events and symbolic colors and numbers, all used to communicate a message. I think the best modern parallel to this type of literature today is science fiction and fantasy. You can include in that graphic novels and comic books with their superheroes and supervillains. Apocalypses have superheroes and supervillains. Now this is a very helpful comparison in order to interpret apocalyptic literature. I like science fiction, but I don't take it literally. Recently I've been reading quite a few of Australian writer Peter Caudron's books 
on first contact. He has 26 of them. I probably only read about a half dozen so far, though. When I read his books, I don't take them literally. But they still have a lot of truth in them. That's why I like them. I also like dystopian fiction, sometimes called post-apocalyptic fiction. But I don't think they really, literally predict the future. I like Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. But I don't expect to bump into a hobbit when I take a walk through the mountains. My wife and I read all the Harry Potter books out loud to each other as they were being published. But I don't believe in witchcraft or wizardry. But I love the books. In the same way, I love biblical apocalypses, especially those passages spoken by Jesus. But I do not take them literally. As I have often said, I take them literarily, as a type of literature, not literally. And that's how I interpret Jesus' apocalyptic and eschatological teachings. So let me get into some specifics and examples now. First, let's look at signs and wonders. Jesus speaks in his Olivet Discourse about wars and rumors of wars. He says, For nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. Now, when have there not been these things? And then he says, The sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heaven will be shaken. These are special effects meant to capture our attention, just like special effects in movies. They're not to be taken literally. The Apostle Peter uses apocalyptic images in exactly this way on the day of Pentecost, according to the book of Acts. After the dramatic descent of the Holy Spirit on the apostles, it says that Peter got up to preach to the crowd that had gathered, and he quotes a passage from the prophet Joel, saying, I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and manifest day. And Peter goes on to preach and say that this prophecy was being fulfilled right then and there. And the very present power of the Holy Spirit that they were experiencing. Now there was no blood, and no fire, and no smoke, and the sun not turning the darkness and the moon into blood on that particular day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, not literally. And yet Peter says that this prophecy was fulfilled on that day in the apostles experiencing the filling of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other languages, it says. I think even the tongues of fire and the speaking in other tongues, which are described here in Pentecost, are also apocalyptic signs to be taken symbolically as well. This is the same way that we are to interpret Jesus' words. You read his Olivet Discourse, and it says that dramatic signs will accompany the destruction of Jerusalem and the coming of the Son of Man, both happening at the same time. 
But these signs did not happen literally with the destruction of the temple and the city of Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 AD. In the context, heavenly and earthly signs and wonders are just special effects, just like science fiction and fantasy movies have special effects. When we watch a movie, we don't really believe that these fantastic events were really happening and were being filmed by the camera crew. We know that they were staged, choreographed, digitally created. My son-in-law creates motion graphics like these for a living. Jesus is doing this with word images rather than digital computer images. Let me talk about the second coming now, since that seems to be a big deal for Christians, and Jesus mentions this in connection with the destruction of the temple. He says, But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Now, if you take that literally, then it did not happen. Jesus did not physically descend in the clouds, come to earth in 70 AD, in the way a lot of the Christians at the time were expecting that he would. So it wasn't true physically. But spiritually, it is true in a couple of different ways. He was talking about one thing, the Jerusalem temple here, when he says the temple is going to be destroyed. He's saying not one stone is going to be left on another. But the gospel says that the temple he was talking about was his body. So he was talking about, in one sense, the death of his body. So the destruction of the Jerusalem temple symbolized the destruction of his body. And, by extension, you could say it's about the destruction of our bodies. It is showing that we are not our bodies, just as Jesus was not his body. Also, historically, the destruction of Jerusalem and the physical temple was the end of the destruction of the temple's sacrificial religion. It was the end of Jewish religion the way they had always known it. And it opened up a way for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gathering of people to his gospel and the gathering of people to this from all the ends of the earth. In interpreting apocalyptic passages of Jesus in a non-dual manner, the basic rule is to see how it is applied historically in his time and also how it applies to here and now. That's the non-dual approach. For there's only the now. The past is just a, a memory, just an idea in our mind. So is the future, just simply an idea in our mind, an imagining of what might be. Time is an illusion. It's always only here and now. So the general principle is to apply all apocalyptic language as describing here and now. So it's not about the end of the world sometime in the future. 
So when you read these passages, imagine them describing reality right here and now. The end of our dualistic world, a dualistic way of seeing the world here and now. It's about the spiritual presence of the eternal Christ, not the physical return of the historical Jesus. Jesus is not coming again physically. He came in the flesh in the Incarnation. He came in the Spirit in Pentecost. And he comes experientially here and now when we wake up to eternal Christ here and now. Always here and now. Apocalyptic language is about the special effects that accompany this non-dual realization, spiritual awakening. We see this happening in the special effects at his baptism. We see this in the biblical descriptions of the death of Jesus. The story of the crucifixion says that the sun stopped shining for three hours. Now, most Christians take this literally. But there's no such thing as a three-hour astronomical eclipse of the sun. And there's no mention of any event like that in the historical records of that time and place. It's obviously not about that. It's meant to be symbolic. It also says that there was an earthquake when Jesus died. This also is special effects in telling the story, that this, this was a, an earth-shaking event that was going on. It's not to be taken literally. There is no record of any earthquake. It says that with the earthquake, the, the tombs were opened, and many, doesn't say how many, but dozens we had to think of, not hundreds, rose from their grave, it says, and they walked around Jerusalem. You don't hear that very much from preachers because it seems to make Jesus' resurrection not, not so unique. But this is not to be taken literally. It's special effects. It's included for emphasis. It's, it's symbolic. It's talking about victory over death. Another important theme in Jesus' teaching found in a lot of his parables is the Last Judgment often in connection with the resurrection of the dead and heaven and hell. We find that in quite a few passages in the Gospels. In interpreting this, remember the principle that we interpret these as describing here and now, not some imagined future. The last judgment is not event in the future. It's now. It's about morality, the importance of morality, which is really the point of all those passages. It's about the being judged by our conscience in connection with morality. It is describing when we wake up and we see that we have been following this selfish self, this ego, and thereby creating a hell for ourselves and a hell for those around us. We wake up from the self and we see that the self is literally hell. It is a living hell here and now. The ego 
you could say, is its own punishment. Anyone who has been around very egotistical people know that they make life a hell for people around them. And when such people get into positions of worldly authority and government, they can make nations into a hell and the whole world into a living hell through war. Such a person is a beast in apocalyptic language, an antichrist. They make life on earth hell to see the hellishness of the self is to wake up to the non-self, to the kingdom of heaven that is here now. This is salvation. This is the end of the world, the end of the dualistic world. And that happens when we see non-dual reality. This is the kingdom of God that Jesus said is within us and always around us. This is spiritual awakening. This is non-dual apocalypse. And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.